the 3-0 pitch. Swing and long drive! There it is! Number 500! The career 500th home run for Michael Jack Smith! LeBron James all the way in, blocked by MB. They are loving it at Wells Fargo Center. It's a knuckle. Jackson takes it at the 35. Picks it up. Looks for running room. He's at the 40. He's at the 45. Gotta testify, come up in the spot looking extra fly. For the day I die, I'ma touch the sky. Gotta testify, come up in the spot looking extra fly. For the day I die, I'ma touch the sky. All right, welcome back to the Waterboys podcast after a short hiatus from last week. So, recording here on Wednesday night. Hope everyone had. A happy Memorial Day weekend uh, with whatever they did. So let's start off by mentioning that Ryan jinxed the Union, who were on a six-game win streak, or six games without losing, and then they went ahead and lost. But Ryan did want to mention that the Soul are undefeated. Isn't that right, Ryan? That is right. They just beat, I think, the Valero or something I was reading about. Valor. 48-47 uh, this past weekend to keep their 7-0 streak alive. So I'm assuming since we're talking about them today, they'll probably end up losing this weekend and end up at 7-1. But, I mean, still a good start for the Soul, 7-0. We have something positive to look forward to in Philly sports. Yeah, City Hall expected to be burned down soon if the Soul keep this up. Uh, you know, just yeah. team and of the Sean city. Barger's going to be very happy again probably. I'm assuming he's got his uh, – Jersey out already. Yeah, he's uh he's had that bet going for a while. But uh speaking of jerseys, I'm sitting here in my new Chinese ordered Hassan Reddick jersey, uh Arizona Cardinals. So pretty pumped about it. The first non-Eagles jersey that I've owned, honestly, I think since I owned a either Michael Vick Falcons jersey or I had an Eric Molds Bills jersey growing up. Yeah, I had a I had a Ladanian Tomlinson powder blue jersey growing up. That was the only Eagle non Eagles jersey I've ever owned. Oh, that's a really good one to own too. So yeah, I'm pumped about the former Temple player being drafted in the first round. Got his jersey. I'm sitting here in this house that I just moved into while I'm in between leases, and I'm sitting on my bed with no covers on it. Uh, but I feel right at home with Hassan on my back. All right. Yeah, do you know how has he been doing well at all in OTAs? <laughs> uh, no clue. I'll uh, I'll have to catch up on him <laughs> later. Too busy with uh, Eagles OTAs, which we'll get into. Uh, but let's uh, let's start off with the Phillies today because thankfully for Phillies fans, May is officially over. Just a terrible month for the Phillies, and then 
today. I'm not even sure what the final score ended up being. I was at work and I looked on Twitter and I saw an update that they were down ten nothing. So I'm I'm gonna go out on a limb and guess that they didn't come back today. They did not. No, they ended up losing ten to two. Oh, they got uh, on the board. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean it, it, the month of May is over. It's 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 a thing of the past now. Well, I guess we're, by tomorrow will be June. Yeah, so the month of May is over. And they finished with a great record of six and twenty-two, so you can't can't do much better than that. Yeah. So the good thing for June is that they probably can't do much worse. Well, you'd be surprised. <laughs> yeah, the way things are going now, what's uh, it, it seems like pitching has also been. I mean, it's just like everything. But like yesterday, I saw they were down six nothing at one point, ten nothing, and then I think yesterday they had two hits, two runs. So, I mean, it just seems like nothing is working for them. Yeah, I, I was reading today on CSN, Philly, in the last 11 games, they've scored two or fewer runs nine times. And in the month of May, the, the staff ERA is 5.53. Mm. So, if you're giving up more than five runs a game and can't score more than two, I mean, I'm not a mathematician or anything, but it's a simple, uh, you're going to lose every game. Bad, bad recipe for success for sure. Is uh, is Herrera still benched? Herrera is still on a little bit of a hiatus, just giving him a mental break. Uh, instead of sending him down to AAA, they're just letting him watch the team get crushed every day. And I guess they're hoping that helps him mentally. Yeah, I'm honestly not sure what you're supposed to be watching when the team's down ten nothing. Like, what's that supposed to do? Yeah, for his for his mental uh, sake, but uh, that's. It's probably just making it worse. Like he's he's watching this and he's like, "Why why am I playing baseball for a living? This this seems miserable." Yeah, and I mean they talked about or Matt Clintac or whatever GM talked about how he's not, they're not going to pretty much send anyone down, uh, like any of the key contributors or key guys, not contributors because they're not doing anything. But Herrera and Tranco. So I think it honestly might do him some good just to send them down for the lone fact that the Iron Pigs are probably one of the best teams in the minor leagues right now. And maybe just have those guys getting back to winning games. Yeah, um, might just help. I know it's AAA, but I mean, just winning games can help you mentally. And then after I don't know a month of June down there, just bring them back up. But just being a part of struggling is one thing, but struggling on a team that's losing every game just it kills your spirits. Yeah, and it's interesting they're not gonna set anyone down because often that can just be a confidence booster. And maybe they're waiting until later in the year, until um, maybe like August and the, that part of September where the minor leagues are still playing because uh, that can be something that, you know, can be a confidence booster going into the next year. Hey, it didn't work out this year. We'll bring you back next year, work on some things down there. So it's interesting that they have pretty much ruled that out and might look contradictory now if they do do it. So Yeah, I, I honestly think they're just at a loss. Yeah. The month of June, they weren't terrible. Um, I mean, at one point they were, or not month of June, excuse me, month of April. They weren't terrible. At one point they were two games over 500. So I think they saw it finally the rebuild is like starting to work a little bit. And then all of a sudden out of nowhere, lose <laughs> 10 straight series. And I think they're now on pace for 100 and either eight or 110 losses somewhere around there. Talk about so a I complete 180. Yes. Yeah, so I think management. I think it's just players, management, coaches, GM, everyone is kind of just in shock of how bad they're playing. I mean, when you and go 6-22, and 22, it's it's tough to point the finger at just a couple people. And I, I think you're right. You, you got to point at it. 
almost everyone because uh, six and twenty-two doesn't happen just from a, a, a few sour grapes. It's it's kind of everyone's contribution, um, kind of similar to when a team is winning, but pretty much the complete opposite. So it is it is interesting, and you know, going into a year when, as you mentioned, looks like this could be the year where you start to see kind of that, that losing and the rebuild starts to pay off a little bit. You, you kind of expect some of the free agents that they bring in to pan out and play the way that they've been playing for years and guys that played last year, like Herrera, um, that played well last year to come in and keep doing what they're doing. And then just a couple of those things don't happen. And then, you know, people start to slump and that's how you end up with a six and 22 record. It's almost like when you play baseball and you, you fall into a slump yourself, it kind of feels like the entire field is a giant glove. And it just seems like the whole team is going through that uh, right now. Yeah, honestly, I think they just need to get some slump busters on the road. Um, I think that will help. I, I believe they know what that is. Um, but if they get some slump busters in the hotel rooms, I think that, that will turn everything around. Maybe Pete can buy him some. Uh, yeah, but I think that's all that really can help at this point. I feel like I feel like Pete Mackinnon's not not one of those guys that would that would do that. Uh, I think he at this point he might try anything. <laughs> that is true. He, he's just trying to try to think. I mean, he got a contract extension somehow, but I, I think at this point he's he's literally open to any option. So I think if I don't think Franco's going to ask for it, but if, if I think if someone just showed up to Franco's hotel room about midnight, uh, I think I think that would be Pete's doing. Yeah, maybe maybe like Herrera will send one to Pete's room, and he'll just be like, "What the hell's going on?" <laughs> yeah, so that that's what Philly baseball has come to. That talking about slump busters and the six and twenty two record. Yeah, there's not much uh, much more to talk about with the Phillies, to be honest. Yeah. So with that being said, uh, you know maybe maybe a couple couple victories or winning a series will help them get back on track, and even playing close to five hundred baseball would be. Good to see for Phillies fans, but you're right. It all it already seems like this year is a loss, and May just got to be one of the worst memories in recent Phillies history. So let's go ahead and move on to the Eagles, who returned to organized team activities this week. Uh, yesterday was open to the media, so we have some storylines from that and some storylines just overall from the NFC East and everything. So. The big thing that happened yesterday at OTAs was Fletcher Cox's return. So he stated in speaking with the media that it was family-related, that he would be out last week. He spoke with Doug Peterson. Everything was premeditated, so everybody can stop freaking out about the leader of the defense missing three voluntary practices. It seemed like a crisis is averted here. Yeah, I think another part of that uh, interview that I took away uh, was Cox talking about his playing weight, what he hopes to accomplish this year. I think that was more more important than him just missing OTAs, but he wants to drop down from 320 and play around 310 this year. By no means did he have a bad year at all last year. I mean, he made the Pro Bowl, but for his for his standards, it was a little bit of a down year. And I think he, he felt the same way. That's why coming into a little bit better shape this year, and now have Jerrigan next to him. I think he's just primed for a breakout year this year. Yeah, and he probably knows better than anyone at what weight he plays better at. So if he felt last year he did underperform a little bit from compared to that awesome 2015 season he had, 
um, then yeah, I trust him to slim down. I, I agree. I think, I mean, this defensive line in general is just going to eat and we'll, we'll talk about Barnett in a second and the high praise that Jim Schwartz had for him. But I mean, this D line I think is really just going to absolutely destroy offensive lines this year between Cox and Jernigan, as you mentioned, and then that rotation between the defensive ends. And that's such a luxury to have where Vinnie Curry, I mean, he, he didn't have such an awful year last year either. And there's been a lot of talk about the pressure he got on and just, it was his inability to get the sack himself. Whereas it was somebody else coming in. Uh, And then you have Barnett where he's going to be a rookie this year. And we have that luxury where we don't need him to come in and play, you know, a super high amount of the snaps and perform at such a level this year where we're putting too much pressure on him because there's also Brandon Graham, who probably next to Cox and Malcolm Jenkins, and along with Jordan Hicks, is one of the leaders on this defense. And then you have a veteran in Chris Long. So you got four guys right there on the defensive end that you can just rotate in and out to constantly have fresh legs. And then with the, those two at defensive tackle there, and hopefully Bo Allen can come back, and hopefully uh, Elijah can make somewhat of a contribution this year. But I think that defensive line is going to be an absolute force of nature in this league this year. Yeah, and just as I mean, just with the defensive line getting better, like just like you said, with the depth and everything, um, it kind of relates into just the rest of the defense, specifically corners. Uh, just if they're able to get to the quarterback, not even get to it, just hurt, just get quarterback courage or anything, not even get sacked. Corners won't have to cover oh, as long, absolutely. and that efficiency might might be overlooked a little bit just because of how talented and deep they are, and maybe they'll be able to last the full season this year at the line. Yeah, and we we've been hearing since Chip Kelly left that they wanted to build this team from the trenches out, uh, from the middle out, so to speak, and we're really seeing that now, especially. With the defensive line, I, I think that's such a good strategy. I mean, it's putting less pressure on these cornerbacks who are seemingly all young or just they're veterans and they they haven't been that great in their careers. So you're really taking a lot of pressure off of them, and that's just going to be a huge help. So I am all in on this defensive line, and, I again, I just think they're going to eat this year, and it's really, really going to help this defense in general. And they're going to be that motor that makes it go. So as you mentioned, uh, with cornerbacks, we had Josh Norman came out and talked about the NFC East wide receivers. So him being a cornerback for the Redskins kind of raised our eyes of how the Eagles are going to be able to cover Dez, OBJ, Terrell Pryor this year. So, I mean, how do you how do you see that going this year for the Eagles? I think, honestly, it's going to be – it sounds like Jalen Mills wants the challenge. He, he talks a big game. He, he's not afraid of the moment. Even when he gets torched, he keeps coming back. And I think just year two, he's going he's gonna to he's gonna progress so much, especially this offseason, that I think he's going to become the man to become a lockdown, well, try to be a lockdown defender against those three. I don't think we have anyone right now capable of locking any of them down. But hopefully with like the defensive line pressure, that we can just contain them, that they don't beat us. We don't need any two, three touchdown games from OBJ or Dez. Um, but I think Jalen Mills this year will be the one that will probably have to go one-on-one with them, obviously with safety help over the top. But I think next year, I think that's going to become Sidney Jones' role for this team and why they drafted him, even with the Achilles injury, is that they need someone to come up and just man up against Dez, Terrell, OBJ, or, yeah, 
Odell Beckham Jr. and just man up. And I think that's where he's going to come into play next year. I don't think of this year at all. They say he might come back by October, but I think next year is when you'll see the benefit of this year's draft. Yeah, and I, I agree with you. Um, I think that's going to be Sidney Jones in the future. Hopefully he can develop that way and come back from his injury. But this year they, they don't have a guy that can lock down anyone. But the one thing that they do have a luxury with is their safeties. And I think this is something that we really take for granted is that we have two of the best safeties in the league at their position, certainly top ten at their positions in Rodney McLeod Jr. and Malcolm Jenkins. And one of the big luxuries with Jenkins is that he is really good at covering in the slot. So if we do, you know, have injuries or whatever it is, uh, whether it's just personnel and Jenkins is our best option, especially against Odell Beckham Jr., where he's in the slot a lot, he can be a huge help there uh, in covering the slot and really help to contain him um, and really allow, again, that defensive line to, you know, have more time to get pressure if we can lock down these guys. So I think it is going to be a struggle this year, and at times um, – Guys are going to get burned. It might be Nolan Carroll. I'm sorry, not Nolan Carroll. Uh, Jalen Mills again this year. But I, I agree. I think he's going to at least take a little bit of a step. He's gotten high praise. He does have that motor to get better. Um, and that's certainly a good thing. So hopefully going into that second year and being in that second year of the scheme, it's it's a lot like what we're seeing with wide receivers working with Carson Wentz and getting used to that rhythm. It's the same thing on defense, playing around the same safeties for a second year is really going to benefit Jalen Mills and having those two back there is really going to help him. So I think it'll be a struggle uh, this year again, but hopefully we'll see some improvements from last year and hopefully Jalen Mills can really step up to be a starting cornerback in the secondary. Uh, The other guy that made headlines this weekend at OTAs, uh, one for a, a negative reason, but it's really not so bad. Once you hear it, uh, Alshon Jeffrey apparently had the catch of the day yesterday in the end zone going up and over Russell Douglas, the rookie, uh, making a catch and then getting up and spiking the ball pretty much right in front of Douglas. So Douglas kind of got the worst end of that, but from what we hear, he's been flying around making a lot of uh, deflections on defense and just disrupting a lot of passes. So that's good to hear coming out of OTAs. And what what do you think of him being that second option at cornerback? I think I think it's a nice needed depth that they have now. I think drafting Jones second round, him third, Douglas Fairground, uh, just uh, now with Patrick Robinson as well. It's something that didn't really have last year. Uh, you did have a little name name flip there, Nolan Carroll, which is great, especially <laughs> yeah. with DWI over the weekend. Him and uh, him and Tiger Woods yeah, trying to steal Tiger's thing. Yeah, well, Tiger, yeah, that's true. But, I mean, I'm, I'm excited about Douglas. I don't expect much from him right away. I, it would be great if he was. I think he's going to be a nice backup to start the year. And unless, really, there's an injury to Robinson or Mills, I don't think he'll start at all this year. But I think if him him just one year in the system, like you said, always year two, you get more comfortable. But if he can learn this year and Sidney Jones just read the playbook that those two – if hopefully like Bobby Taylor and Lito Shepard can be the corners for the next 10 years in this division. Yeah. Yeah. I, I 100% agree that like, I'm not expecting too much from Douglas this year, but I think he is going to have a chance to start at some point during the season, just because there really isn't all that much depth. Like we have a little bit uh, with Patrick Robinson, Douglas Mills and Ron Brooks, but Brooks is injured now at any point. Robinson could get injured. 
or he just might not play that well. His career has been up and down. He had some good years with the Saints when they were a playoff team before their defense really fell into salary cap hell. And I wrote about this last week, but I don't think we should write off Patrick Robinson completely yet. I'm certainly not expecting too much from him either, but he had some solid years with the Saints. He had a good year with the Chargers in 2015, and then last year he was on just an absolutely abysmal defense with the Colts. So uh, he didn't have much help there. So this year, I mean, he could be a serviceable corner. He could be that second starter across from Jalen Mills if that's the way it works out, but just not too much to expect. And I think anything we get from them uh, is really a benefit on top of our defensive line. Yeah, it's all going to come down to the defensive line. We already talked about it, but these corners, if they're left on an island, pretty much like any corner in the league, they're not going to they're not going to be able to do much. Um, if if the defense can play like they did the first six games, defensive line that is, then I think that will even help the growth of the corners, just with the confidence, everything. Um, but if if these corners have to cover for too long, uh, Rodney and Malcolm are going to have to help a lot, and I don't think we need to be doing that, but. I think the corners surprisingly would be do fine when, when Jim Schwartz was asked about it today. Did they do enough to upgrade? His quote was great. All he said was, we'll just have to wait and see. Yeah. A man, a few words, just speaking the truth. And yeah. That's all we can do is wait and see now. A long way to go. Yeah. Um, and, uh, I guess only about 15 Sundays, I think it is now, until Eagles pick off the season. Still too many. Yeah, I know. But it's getting closer. Yeah, a little bit. But uh, you mentioned Schwartz, and the other the other thing he talked about, he had a lot of high praise for Derek Barnett, which has been awesome to hear. And not only him, but the Bleeding Green Nation guys were not raving about him, but they had certainly really good things to say. I mean, he was going up against Lane Johnson, one of the best right tackles in the league, and Barnett apparently just kind of burned him on his first play. He did that thing where he ran sideways pretty much, which just – defies the laws of gravity and put pressure on Wentz and he threw in a nice spin move and really put some good moves on Johnson it was a good battle which is awesome to see against a veteran like Lane Johnson who has been a staple on this offensive line for Barnett to come in and really challenge him and it seems like Johnson you know kind of started to hold his own ground and you know really didn't budge at all on a bull rush from Barnett but Barnett just to be able to show that is awesome. Uh, for a, for a first round pick, so I don't know about you, but I am really pumped to hear that. Yeah, the biggest thing I was excited about or took away from just OG, OTA so far is when people compare Derek Barnett, Derek Barnett's draft and Marcus Smith's draft, who we'll talk about <laughs> in a second. But when when we drafted Marcus Smith, everyone talked about how it's going to be a long project; it's going to take three to four years, yeah. which you never like to hear out of your first round pick. And everything you've heard about Barnett. And is he's going to contribute right away. If he's not starting by week one, he's going to be a key guy in the rotation. I think he probably will end up starting. Um, I mean, it's going to be him or Curry opposite of Graham. But I just like hearing that the fact that finally our first-round pick is not going to just be a two- to three-year uh, right? project. That's awesome. And it's actually a guy that should could become a stud in this league. Yeah. Uh, to be fair, people did rave about Nelson Aguilar at first when he came out. So uh, I certainly don't want to get too into it. But, like, just again, him going up against Lane Johnson and being able to get pressure on the quarterback already, it seems like he's already developing. And that's just awesome for the, the first week of first two weeks of OTAs. Um, so I'm, I'm and, definitely, and, definitely pumped about it. And speaking about Aguilar, uh, Pat, you still uh, is he still making the team? 
Yeah. I think Nelson Aguilar is going to make this team. He, he got hyped up so much last week. And like, I actually kind of enjoy hearing about these OTAs and things that go on and seeing who's going to make the team and stuff. But like people have been fucking raving about Nelson Aguilar and how awesome he has looked. And like, that's great. And like, it's certainly a good thing to hear, but I just want everyone to pump the brakes a little bit. Like we have seen what this guy can do for two years He's only, you know, accumulated, I can't even remember what it is, like 600 yards over two seasons. It's right around that. I mean, that's just like nothing. The amount of drops he's had, like, I said it last week, I'll say it again. Like, let, let me see him improve in a game, and then I'll start to be a believer. Even if that's the preseason, he has a good preseason game. That's that's when I'll start to believe it, because you, you can light the world on fire, um, and that's great and all during OTAs and practices and whatnot in mini camp but you you gotta show it to me on the field yeah i mean he's doing great with the jug machine he hasn't yeah. dropped the ball yet according according to reports yeah and like uh i think he did drop his first one the other day uh, oh, but, did he finally? Yeah. oh nice I, I jo- he's back he's back yeah i jokingly tweeted um that i i watched the eagle snapchat the other day their snap story and Aguilar caught a wide-open pass in the end zone. Nobody covering him. So, you know, we can finally confirm he is the second coming of Jordy Nelson and Demarius Thomas, that third-year breakout. Uh, he's finally finally going to break through for the Eagles. So everyone can stop worrying now. We, uh, we have a forget about Alshon Jeffrey. Nelson Aguilar is now the number one wide receiver. Yes, that's what I love to hear, Pat. Yeah. Uh, I'm trying to think who the guy was. A couple of years ago, going into the 2014 season, they had a safety. They drafted him in the same year as Marcus Smith, but apparently he was killing it. I think it was Marsh. He was killing it in practice and during training camp, and then in the preseason game at the Patriots, he just got absolutely fucking roasted. And that was the end of that. We finally had to stop listening to that. So I'm, I'm really hoping that's not the case with the Nelson Aguilar hype. But I'm I'm really afraid that might be something similar to that. Is it Jalen Watkins or Marsh? Was it? I'm pretty sure it was Marsh. It was Marsh, all right. Yeah, I'm. I was just looking back at that draft. Or was it Ed Reynolds? Was it Ed Reynolds? Oh, that's who. No, 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 because he had that pick. Uh, oh yeah. It, it was yeah, Marsh right. for sure, because he didn't even yeah, end up being on the team that year. Yeah, I'm gonna stop arguing with you. <laughs> about 2014 <laughs> Eagles roster moves. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm sure that's what people want to listen to. Uh, but last thing we wanted to get to here about the Eagles was speaking of Marcus Smith, he's still out and I wrote about it today, but Les Bowen tweeted that his agent finally got back to him about questions about Marcus missing practice. And he had a one word answer and that was voluntary. So it seems like Marcus Smith will not be showing up at all for these organized team activities since they are voluntary and, Seems like he wants to get cut by the team so that he can pursue somewhere else where he'll get he'll get some play in time. So, are you ready to say adios to Marcus Smith? Yeah, he's gone, and I just think it's funny that he changed his phone number. Besides that, there's not much to talk about. We talked about it last time. Uh, he's irrelevant now, but it is pretty funny that he had to change his phone number. <laughs> yeah, like as if anybody was like really contacted him anyways. Like Marcus, we we need your leadership here at practice for. The young guys, you, you could show them how to be a bona fide boss. 
Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he's just he's a waste of time, waste of his time, and it's a waste of the Eagles' time for him to be here. So yeah. I think it's good. He hopefully changes his number um, to something the Eagles never get. So yeah. When he gets released, he'll find out via ESPN or something like that. But uh, he was a big bust, terrible draft pick, and a project that never worked out. Yeah, it's like when you're a teenager and you'd be like talking to a girl and you'd be playing games with them and they'd be playing games with you and it's like, who's going to text first? Like, I wonder if Marcus is sitting there. Like, I wonder if Jim Schwartz is going to text me first and then it has never even crossed Jim Schwartz's mind to text Marcus Smith and see where he is for OTAs. Pat, one other thing I was just, I was reading, uh, I'm on CSM Philly right now. Honestly, as we're talking, and the one thing I noticed from I think it was either today or yesterday is the new uh, pony set in the offense. Did you did you see that at all? I did not. No. So the Eagles have been experimenting a lot with Sproles and, and uh, Pumphrey in the uh, yeah Donald Pumphrey in the backfield together, mm-hmm. and I think that's going to be a new package this year. Two two little guys um, that are both going to either split out, play out of the backfield. I think that's going to be exciting if you have him. So the two of them, Alshon Jeffrey, Torrey Smith on either side, and then just probably Ertz and just split up those guys because five offense, right? I'm doing the math correctly. Yeah. yeah. On the field at once, I think it's just going to be a matchup nightmare, especially for linebackers uh, in the NFL trying to keep up with Sproles and Pumphrey. Dude, I am all about that because the one reason that I really wanted the Eagles to get O.J. Howard is so that they could have both him and Ertz lined up at the same time because it would be – so hard to cover those two. It would be similar to what the Patriots did with Gronk and Martellus Bennett, but, uh, you know, obviously we don't have Gronk, but it's still hard to have personnel on a defense to cover two tight ends like that. And I think this is somewhat similar, having Pumphrey and Sproles out there. Those are two really quick guys, and typically it's going to be linebackers covering them in the passing game. And to be able to have two people on your defense to dedicate to cover two quick guys like that, is going to be really hard for defenses in the NFL. Yeah, it's going to be a, a matchup nightmare for defensive coordinators, especially line. Like if, if they're doing just a base defense, those linebackers are not going to be able to stay with them, especially if they both split out in the slot, or if even if just one of them split in the slot. Um, most likely, a linebacker is going to stay with them. If not, then it's a safety, and a linebacker is going to stay with Earth. So either way, it's just going to become a matchup night, nightmare for teams trying to figure it out when the pony pony set comes in. Absolutely, and again, I'm 100% behind that and really pumped to see that in action uh, if they do roll with it. So that's about it for this edition of the Waterboys. Ryan, unless you have anything else, I think we're going to try to ramp up Sixers talk leading up to the draft, but nothing today for them, and I don't think anything for the Flyers either. No, the only small thing, uh, kind of big news out of Flyers, um, or I think it was either early this week or late last week. It was early this week. Um, they got, they signed Oscar Lindblom, who was one of their uh, the draft picks, I remember, from 2014. He's a left wing that he, he signed an entry-level um, contract, and he's going to be on the opening night roster as a left wing, which the Flyers desperately need. Um, so that's actually pretty big news that was kind of, kind of came out of nowhere. I mean, everyone expected it with just the timing of the Stanley Cup and finding a guy that you already know is now going to be on your opening night roster. Uh, it's pretty big news in here in May, the end of May. Nice, yeah, that's definitely, you know, a good thing since they need help at left wing there. And, uh, I mean, I don't know about you, but I'm just trying to avoid 
all hockey talk while the Penguins are in the Stanley <laughs> Cup and up one game to none. That's very true. The other night was very rough. And I just it's tied right now one one. This so, is yeah, the time of year where I just started like tweeting things negative about hockey just because I want to put down Penguins fans and how how like big this is for them to be in two straight Stanley Cups and possibly win back to back titles. I just tweet like, oh, I didn't know hockey was still going on. Yeah, and did you see Pittsburgh was trying to uh, have the guy? Did you see the Predators? Oh yeah, yeah, the guy like the catfish guy. You wanted to go to jail? They were like, come on. It's ridiculous. Pittsburgh thinks they're somewhat bigger than they are, but I know that's yeah, that's right. another Hockey's discussion right. for another day. So yeah, I know. All right, that is it from the Water Boys, and until next time. Oh, you didn't think we can do it again, Twister, Kanye West, from Pope Pippin to popping tags, from champions to slow jamming. Oh, baby, we can even make you an overnight celebrity. Why don't we play something these pros are like? Drop whips, I know they like. Twist that you told the ride. Make you a celebrity overnight. Give you ice like Kobe, right? We sorta like Cody, right? The way we mold them, right? Make you a celebrity overnight. Girl, I see you in the mouth bottom jeans. Shit, chill out on your back, I wanna know your name. Girl, I'm just like the roll your brains. Put you in a chameleon, no four range. Still sexy when you smoke that flame. Jerkin' like a chicken while you throw that thing. She got me hotter than the oven the way that she talk.